Uh, Alright, podcast. Dude, yeah, I can't say that. Choo-choo-choo, yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. And I'm Turt Reynolds? <laughs> Dirty then. Uh, <laughs> Settle down, Don. <laughs> we need to give a parental advisory for this? Clicking furiously on my mouse. Eat it. Uh, <laughs> eat the paella. <laughs> That's hot. All right, everybody. Let's get swifty. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to another late, great episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that never stops its long, boring rants on anyone's account, be them Sith, Jedi, or something entirely else. Perhaps neither, for both are just pieces of a whole, and such titles simply allow us to to categorize the galaxy into light and dark for your own convenience. I do not truly accomplish anything at all. I'm your host, Ben Helms. And with me, as always, you can't skip me. Sorry, man. Oh, uh, man. As always, is my co-host and big bro, Jason Helms. Come on down. How's it going, man? Uh, the first answer is the light side answer. But it's also, like, a little bit too light. So I'm choosing number two, which is still light side, but, like, snarky. Yep. yep. Nice. Nice. How often did you, before we even get into yeah. anything, how often did you do a choice that was dark side right after a save? Just to kind of see what it yep. would do and then go back and load. Oh, no, no, I'm way clutchier than that. Uh, I did dark side choices just because I was stupid sometimes. Cool, like, cool. One time I was like... Even better. Yeah, no, I straight up just saved this entire place. You should give me a discount. <laughs> that seems reasonable. What do you... That's not a threat. I was literally <laughs> I just, just saying it seems like a... Come I on, I need man. some armor. Cut me uh, some slack anyway. here. All right, fine, fine. I'm so, dark. today we're talking all about the 2004 RPG Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, colon, the Sith Lords. Colon? The restored content mod, colon, M478. M478, planet. Wow. Colon. A lot of colon on that planet. That was rough. A lot of colon. But yeah, so we're going to get into that. We have a lot to talk about gameplay. How how many hours total did you get to this game? Uh, I should have checked. It was over 41. Oh, I was 36 and something. 36 and change. It was was, uh, some sad, rough times for the both of us. But... uh, also, well, I, some cool, some I don't good time. Play, yeah, I don't want to play it down. I want. I don't want to say that I hate this game or anything like that. Um, there was I, one. I think the the time crunch is the sad time where we're like, yes. oh my gosh, another planet. <laughs> well, and, and the way we got into this, I started it in November. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. You played for like six hours or something. Yeah, six to ten hours over about a two month period. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was amazing. That's the way the game is meant to be played. Yes, it's our fault. And I played the next thirty hours in the last three weeks right exactly that was it's, not the way the game was we are dumb people this is is this season four let's say three it can't of, be four. of metal moral fiber this is season four is it oh my gosh yeah no <laughs> this is episode this is our 34th game we're covering officially yeah 11 11 per year what? so this is a this is going to the fourth season of mom wow. pretty awesome that's that's pretty fun uh but let's uh let's actually start with the let's finish the intro here um uh, yeah we're gonna start out talking about some of the development the making of a little bit about kotor one uh and then we will get into the gameplay which we'll probably spend most of our time on because again we spent combined over 75 hours on this game uh and then we of course will play some what's the beer what's the song where we tell you if this game were a beer and a song what it would be in our hearts uh and then we'll tell you about what other games we've been playing although not a lot the past couple of weeks during crunch time uh and then we'll talk about what we're playing next month and then I think that's all we got. Uh, and we should mention that uh, Richard was supposed to join us tonight, but just scheduling conflict. You and I and he are all busy. He's traveling. We got just craziness going on. So he and wasn't in able his to defense, join us. We did have to reschedule because 
things. So he was all up yeah, for the original. Yeah, game, he. So he's, exactly. apologies. And he's played through this game a few times too. So he he is the master. We are the Padawans. Uh, so sorry, Rich, that you couldn't be on the episode, but you will. We will have you back. We will beg you to come back for uh, Indiana and the Last Crusade, which we'll probably do later this year. Yeah, because we've been out of Indy for like a year and a half now. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's let's quickly. I don't know. Quickly summarize Kotor one. Jay, you got thirty seconds. All right. And not like right. the plot, but like a snapshot of the game or feelings about it, you know, that kind of stuff. Go. Uh your main character awakens having amnesia on a downed freighter, meeting a, a good friend, a, a new person, Karth Onassi, who goes along to become your your friend. Uh you fight a bunch of people. You go to like ten different planets, you uh make new friends, kill the old, and then you you go along this giant battle and you find out that through your amnesia okay spoiler alert for KOTOR 1 oh yeah that's a good one spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert you were the big bad all along holy crap and so then you make some choices and you end with like a medal and it's great yeah and so the vibe of it is this just really expansive thing I mean literally I think it's like eight different planets each with multiple locations uh, huge side stories, nine main playable characters, like really, really big game that is just fun to just play slowly and chew on. Yeah, yeah. People play this over months and months. I wanted to mention a couple of those plot points intentionally because we're going to get into them again because I think KOTOR 2 does a really good job of nodding at those plot points and then refusing to fulfill some of your expectations. So we'll get back to that after we get into the plot of KOTOR 2. And... Also, again, we'll talk about in the development that the game is almost identical gameplay-wise as well. So a lot of that stuff yes. is very similar as far as playing with the team of nine people and just the the whole light side, dark side. It's always a spectrum. Every single choice you make in the game pushes you, almost every single choice, pushes you either lighter or darker or more medium than you were before, I guess. More medium. And I was, I was pretty medium for the first half. I ended high, high light side, though. I, I felt good no. about it. Uh, the first game, I, I, I finished KOTOR. side for both, for me. Boom. I finished KOTOR. I got three quarters of the way through at the first one and just went hard dark. Hard. <laughs> it was rough. It, I just felt bad by the end of it. Hard left. Anyway, okay. So, first KOTOR uh, was released. Sorry, we could call it KOTOR. I hate that word. It just sounds dumb. Knights yeah. of the Old Republic sounds so, like, has so much grandeur and heft to it. And KOTOR just sounds like this game that I just got for Switch for 99 cents. And it's, anyway, I love Switch. Sorry. Switch is dope. <laughs> Switch is dope. Anyway, uh, it came out 18 months before KOTOR 2. I did not know that until today. 18 months, which, ex- again, explains why the games look so similar and play so similarly. I feel like if I was playing this at the pace I wanted to, it would have taken about 18 months. Just to Yeah. Play. and it, Yeah, so 2003, July 2003 was the first KOTOR, won a bunch of Game of the Year awards. By October that year, they're like, hey, let's do another one. Let's release it next year. Bioware, by that time, by the way, was like, we don't want to do that because we all almost died due to stress of making this game. Thanks, thanks, uh, LucasArts. Uh, what if we handed this off to Obsidian? Hey, guys, this is, LucasArts is so fun to work with. Can you take this game off our hands? They did. So they even switched development companies and, and were able to get the game done. Uh, but yeah, the, the scheduling window was just too tight, apparently. So Bioware, it, it was too tight, and also they wanted their own IP because yeah. they'd been licensing... Star Wars, I can't remember what else they were doing at the time, but obviously they switched to Mass Effect and Dragon Age since then. And Anthem, which is coming out, I think, yeah. next week. It's definitely this month. And who knows when you're listening to this? It might be the future, like even next week. Um, true. Maybe so, it came out five years ago if you're listening to this I don't know. in the future. 
I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for the podcast about us where people are retro Aww. listening to our podcasts. The podcast about years. old gaming podcasts. Oh, that'll be a good one. <laughs> guys, remember Meta Moral Fiber, guys? It's a bad call. Don't don't do that podcast. No, no, we'll listen to that. We will call. be the only oh, niche def- that listens you, to that you podcast. You can interview me. I'm I'm very interviewable for it. Yeah. All right, so yeah. Anthem's coming out um and it is uh mech suit very yes. online. Titan Folly. Titan Folly uh Mass Effect-y Kotori, yeah. but it seems like they're playing down a lot of the role-playing, uh, and that the okay. uh, is... kind of single-player mode is a little bit more restrained. It's gotten some mixed reviews from the demo stuff, and so it's... I don't want to be too hopeful for the yeah. single-player. It looks but beautiful, though. gosh, I would love it if it has a cool single-player. Single it looks pretty. Uh, yeah, so anyway, back to KOTOR 2. Early in the story-writing process, lead designer Chris Avalon decided to digest as much Star Wars lore as possible. He's an Obsidian developer, and he just decided to like dive in, read as many comics, watch all the movies, books, cartoons, whatever it was, uh, every, even including the Christmas special. I don't know if that's true, uh, but basically, just, he decided two things. Kind of, he like took everything from Star Wars lore and distilled it into kind of like two main things that made them great, uh, along with the original Kotor, which were story and companions. Which I'd never heard those two things before. Hey, that kind of sounds like the original letter that David Fox wrote. Yeah, his arts. Oh, yeah. Uh, he would have said, I think, uh, story and adventure or something and, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Similar. It's but got yeah. that same vibe of, of get down to the original feel. So I think that kept them, the time crunch, but also that, that idea of story and, com- and companions kept them from pushing the game graphically or like throwing all these new um, features or making it like a pilot simulator or flight simulator kind of stuff, you know, and, and just really focusing on let's have this, the same game but just with a new story and new characters and expand it that way rather than expanding the world into new planets and new like new types of gameplay, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and like the original, it's set 4,000 years before the films. It's actually set 3,996 years before the films because I think it takes place four years after the first game. Nice. And it's based on the D20 system from D&D. Uh, D&D did a really cool thing with uh, their third edition where they set up a system called D20 that was then very versatile and could be used by other companies. So the entire Pathfinder uh, role-playing game system is based on it. Lots of video games are based on it. Because yeah. they just said, this rule set you can use. And I, I kind of, it, it's really to uh, Bioware's credit, I think they were the game system, video game system that mm-hmm. ran with it the most uh, and got a lot of use out of it. Yeah, and it, it definitely, it, once I realized that when we were playing the first game, the first KOTOR, yeah. it totally changed how I played the game because I was just kind of like hacking away at all the enemies and like you came in and watched me and you're like, no, no, you just set up what they're going to do and then you hit play basically yeah, and you watch it play out once you've picked your strategies and picked what each character is going to do and that blew my mind. So uh, definitely changes the way you play it once you know it's the D20 system. Yeah, and one thing I want to talk about a little bit later uh, when we're reflecting more on the game is how it feels like a role-playing game. Um, For sure. The idea of role-playing games, I think, is, is kind of an interesting one. And especially when you move over to video games, I don't think they always feel like you are playing a role. Okay. And there are times when this game did, and there are times when it didn't. So I want to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, just to finish up um, development stuff. There, All the articles I read from back in 2003, 2004, even actually, I guess, recent ones, there, were, there was a lot of chatter about the huge time crunch and how they had to keep cutting things out. Uh, and whether it was entire levels, like M478, the droid planet, uh, which they've since brought back, uh, which I guess fans and modders have brought back. Uh, but just like side quests, characters, huge things that they just had had to cut out. Basically, after showing a 10-minute demo at E3 in, in 2004, LucasArts was like, everyone loved those 10 minutes that you've shown were, 
which were basically like the only 10 minutes they could show uh, of the demo. And so they moved it up from 2005 to two, to December 2004 for the pub date. So, I did not know um, this, and this is breaking my heart. I'm learning this yeah. information live. Dear listener, I'm uh, learning this live. That's rough. Holy that's crap, rough. So, that is awful. So that led to all the, the, the cuts and also led to a lot of glitches and bugs throughout the game. Like, for instance, Jason, you just shared with me, uh, at one point, Godot shoots Beodor's remote and it explodes when you're on yep. the Ebonhawk. Yep. And then, like two seconds later, the remote the remote is just there. Yeah. So, even with the you know 15 years since then and all the glitches that have been fixed, uh, and by the way, since then, fans modding the game has, have fixed over 500 bugs, uh, which were finally collected into I think it was just recently, in the last year or so, the Sith Lords restored content modification. Um, or if you're a completionist like us, you can play the M four seven eight enhancement project edition, which don't don't do that. The only modding community that compares is uh, is Doom, I would say, and the the mod uh, in particular of the original game, brutal the brutal Doom mod would be a, a comparison there. But like, I am amazed at the Sith Lords restored content mod. Like, it's yeah. so in depth. This was such a prettier game. Than Kotor, yeah, um, and and that's Fair. kind of amazing. That's really it. Seems like owing to the fans, not necessarily the developers. Developers did a great job, but just the fans continuing to work on it for another, you know, ten, fifteen years. Well, and I, to Obsidian too. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a coder. I don't know what it takes to unbug these, right? But yeah. I would give some credit to Obsidian in the sense that, like, they let the fans do this. Oh, whether yeah, they huge. whether intentionally or not, yeah. There's lots of games that have bugs that just can't be fixed. On the flip side, um, they were going to, I believe it was this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, wasn't this one that they were going to remake entirely in Unreal or Unity recently? I don't know. Oh, and I, I remember hearing this, and then um, uh, LucasArts sh- uh, shut them down. Disney said, oh, "No, you will Disney. not be doing that." Yeah, I had not heard that. I know that there's been rumors of a uh, Kotor remake. Uh, but I'd rather have a KOTOR 3 than a remake of the original, I think. Oh, seriously. Yeah, as much as I love the whole the Revan reveal. Uh, but anyway, KOTOR 2, a bunch of pressure because of the, you know, the first one won a bunch of the Game of Year awards. But fortunately for them, KOTOR 2 won a bunch of the Game of Year awards because the game was so similar. It was pretty great. Yep. Uh, but yeah, by uh, 2006, so two years later, Knights of the Old Republic 2, it sold uh, almost 1.5 million copies. And yeah, it just kind of, it's been dominant, kind of a staple in Star Wars games, for sure. Uh, GameSpy in 2005 called Kreia the best video game character of 2005, saying she was easily the most intriguing, complicated, enigmatic, well-designed, and nuanced character in all video games that year. Which was kind of cool, because she was really frustrating for me. But I don't think I disagree with what they're saying, either. She was frustrating with me to a, for a while. Yeah. And then I just, she slowly behind the scenes starts to sneak into a larger role. Yep, yep. Uh, and I think a lot of it uh, owes to uh, Sarah Kesselman, the uh, voice actor there, who I thought did a really, really phenomenal job. Amazing um, a voice lot actor. of subtlety and nuance in her voice. I would say with everyone except for the exile. Actually, no. <laughs> uh, because, I see what you did there. Uh, it's a joke. I got but there. I was like, what? Well, I don't remember I, her I voice will, being bad. Yeah, she doesn't have uh, one. Okay. All right. I will say uh, Beodor, Beodor yeah. bothered me constantly, and I'm oh, sure... It, I, okay, you dug it. Cool. Yeah. To me, it was just like missiles are flying by you, Jedi's are exploding, and Beodor's like, "I think I can fix this intercom system with my pinky." Yeah, uh, Beodor is over in NPR. 
uh, while everyone else is just like freaking out on an exploding ship. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh, I hated it. Anyway, it it fit his character as this person who's like seen these horrific things. This veteran of war who's just like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just I'm gonna fix stuff. I don't want to kill things anymore. Like I couldn't bring Beodur with me to fight. Like he was very rarely in my party because I didn't want him to have to kill someone. I was like, no, no, he's put that behind him. I think if Beodur had been Trevor from GTA five. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's what I needed. I needed like yes. a crazy off the wall technician who can fix anything. He's kind of into the force. Doesn't really know what's going on, but he's always there in a pinch. I think I would have bonded with him more and, and would have felt when the again, spoilers from here on out would have felt it when his, he had to sacrifice his remote on Malachor. Yeah. Which is kind of, it's a heart wrenching scene. It's been his buddy since he was in grade school. I would have been like, oh, no, it's the only thing that's kept him sane. I don't know. To me, Beodor was just like, uh, he was also, he was Mike Pence. He was a manila <laughs> envelope taped to a beige wall. <laughs> Did Beodor die? Because no. something really weird happens at the end where, like, suddenly I was not able to choose Beodor as a character. I was like, oh, okay. No. And it made I, sense for some other people. Like, I couldn't choose uh, Atten, but Atten was going on an adventure at that time or something like that. And then whenever it's right before the very end, uh, it cuts to every character, right? Yeah. And they're like going through their thoughts. It doesn't cut to Beodor. It plays Beodor's voiceover as the camera moves through the ship. Huh. So every other character, the, it, it go, the camera is on them. And then the last time you see Beodor after that, talking to the remote, and he's a hologram. And I was like, is that a message he left for the remote? Is he dead? Oh, yeah. What happened to Beodor? But I think we find out that he's got a future based on Kreia's final words. That, that, I think everything's just based on of her her final words. Sure, she was unable to predict his fate. Ah, see her, her, him in the droids. Yeah. All right. So this is like some Gravity's Rainbow shit <laughs> here, because okay, end of Gravity's Rainbow. Tyrone Slothrop, the main protagonist, just slowly dissipates. Like he shows up here and there in the final like ten chapters, but he's no longer the protagonist, and he just kind of slowly disappears from the novel, which is a really cool, weird device and Beodor has that kind of thing where he's just like yeah he's not really a thing anymore it's gonna kind of fade out yeah is he the same species as Darth Maul he is I did not realize that yes are some people red or does Darth Maul paint his face uh but let's just right. let's All go right. through the other characters not get caught up on what happened to, to Beodor so at uh you meet him imprisoned on Pergus to nice. and uh and set him free he's the han solo plug-in here but he's kind of cooler than han solo because he used yeah. to be a sith assassin yeah that's i i never got close to them I, I was reading things that you could like uh you could train him as a jedi oh i did oh i did not i i never heard about his backstory i guess i pissed him off in the first hour and never could gain back his trust i never got the full backstory okay. so i love that it's sith, to find out the sith assassin yeah but yeah i knew that there was something else going on that he was force sensitive I think you can also get Mira to be a Jedi, but I never got there. I got pretty much everybody else you can, I think. Oh, really? And wow. so not only could I make him a Jedi, but I could teach him, like, basically anything I'd learned. I could go over and talk to him and yeah. be like, hey, you want to learn a new lightsaber form? Check this out. I got that way with Beodor um, and Visas. Cool. But, and, Wait, and, you made Beodor a Jedi? Yeah, dude, that was sweet. Because we were bonding. We were like, oh, war stories, Malachor, that was crazy. Oh, by the way, you want to learn this lightsaber trick? Here you go. Here. Yeah, it was sweet. All right, so uh, again, spoiler alert, uh, Atten dies. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. 
there's this big buildup of Scion being like, I'm going to make you look like me. And Scion is like this big right? scarred guy, right? And it's like, I Wait, will no, kill you no. once you feel my pain. Yeah, yeah. Don't jump ahead because I've got a thing I'm going to. Oh, you, you don't no. know where I'm going yet. Oh, I think I do. And so then it cuts to him in the final scene. But this all happens off camera. And it cuts to him in the final scene where he's dying. And he's looking up and he goes, oh, look at me. You know, I, I guess I, I never was pretty on the inside. Now I'm not pretty on the outside either. I, uh, when I'm going to my final battle with Scion, right, I'm like, uh, ooh, let me use some of the equipment that I haven't used yet. I'm going to use the uh, the force shield as my headpiece because Scion, you know, force user, that's great. That's just a big thing that covers his whole head. So he's looking at me dying and he still has on the same equipment he had. Same. <laughs> and so I can't see his face at all. Same. Oh, we had the same experience. Oh, my God. Was he supposed so to look like Scion? He looked, I am assuming so. Okay. I thought you were going to say like he switched place with our Scion or something crazy. Oh, that would have been good. No, yeah, so you no. had the same exact thing, which is like, I literally couldn't see his face at all. Oh, we're idiots. <laughs> yeah, I totally put the Force-sensitive thing because he was going to fight Scion. I didn't realize yes. he was going to die in the first 10 seconds. Yes. Until I have like powered him up, used all my stim packs and all the crazy stuff. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. All right, so that's... I didn't like Adam. We didn't get very close. Uh, I liked Adam. All right, so... Godo? Yeah, Godo is a robot that is actually run by a giant crime lord. Yeah. I don't, Moving on. I 100% don't understand why he was there, other than... More droids. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mira. Mira's cool. Mira's dope. Yeah. She's Mira a, is a bounty hunter. Dynamic character. Yep. Uh, the only thing I didn't love is that she's in the, she's, you know, in the sexy clothes and all. Yeah. And then she, like, tries to reclaim it and be like, yeah, because guys are looking at my body. I get to shoot them in the face. Yeah. That's my plan. And it was yeah. like, nah, you put her in sexy clothes. And now you're trying to pretend that you were being a feminist about it and you weren't. But yeah. thanks. Yeah. And then HK-47 is back, and I would say better than ever. Yeah, uh, true. I can't wait to tell you about his quests. Oh, I, I don't know why I didn't have to do them. So did you have three HK-50s show up and shoot you on, like, every level? All the time. Yeah, and then you reconstruct HK-47, and then I talked to him a bunch, and we started theorizing, like, okay, where are these guys coming from? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And then after checking out a bunch of stuff, I don't remember what happened, but pretty early on, like, maybe 20 hours in, uh, we're on Telos for like the fifth time and he's like, hey, I located the base. I know where it is. It's on Telos. I was like, dude, let's go there. Uh, I, just, I think I just stopped talking to people the last like 10 hours. <laughs> okay. And, and, when, and, and whenever I would try, I'd be like, oh yeah, you can't, you can't do that right now. That, don't worry. That'll, that'll come up later. Gotcha. Like the game actually said, this will be something that comes back later. You'll be fine. That's Shh. awesome. Settle down. I was like, okay. Settle right, down. Cool, cool. Uh, T3M4 was great. I hated him. I, I hate that little... I know, thanks for the spikes, bro, but I'm, I do not like T3M4. He was sassy. He had that R2-D2 going on, uh, but a slightly different personality. Another thing, he just zapped HK-47 at one point and had, like, secret made no communications to, like... Th- I don't know if it was to the Republic, maybe, or to yep. the Jedi Council. No one should have known about it, and then we never came back to that plot point. Well, this is what makes me think we could play this game for another 100 hours and get to all those stories. There's so many side quests. It's It's pretty endless, yeah. Which, yeah, part of it's, yeah, maybe we should have done this game. Like, we talked about doing this one in the original KOTOR. We'll have, like, KOTOR check-in segment throughout the year. Yeah. And then finally have the KOTOR thing at the end. Of, and then by the time we got to December, I don't think I'd remember what I did in January. It's the only yep. downside of that. Yep. But that would be pretty awesome. Mandalore, which I like as... Mandalore! As, uh, so I read Mandalore as, like, uh, a title rather than someone's name. It is. Is that how you understood it? Like, King of the Mandalorians. Yes. They just it's, always the position Mandalore. of Mandalore is the leader of okay. the Mandalorians. Yeah. They have the helmet. And then we find out, like, 90% of the way through the game that it's Kandoris. What? 
that was the best awesome. character from the first game. Not the best, but such a great awesome character. Back. Yes, that was so good. I was yeah. hoping for more of those too. So it was cool to have this guy hang out with you for most of the game, and then it end up being a guy you hung out with for the entire first game. And I'm glad that there weren't more. Like I was yes. hoping for more constantly. Yes. yes, and it would have been way too much fan service. No, yeah, but you're like right. this was exactly perfect. And characters like Mira and. And Mandalore and uh, Visas, which we talk about right now. It was cool having such a diverse group of people from like so many different backgrounds that weren't the same characters from the first game. Yes. That was really yep. nice. All right, Visas. Yep. Visas Mar. She's a Miraluka. Miraluka. Nice. Uh, which is a race of force sensitives who can see through the force. They're blind, but they but see through the through force. But not through their eyes. We're not through their eyes. I think they don't have eyes. Yes. But you never see because she's got a veil over where her eyes were. Right. Be. You can't see that, apparently, even though she's fighting and jumping around. You can't see that. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, she she is the first kind of hint in the game to the exile's backstory and the larger, which again, plot. spoilers yeah. and the larger plot as a whole. Right. You meet her. She was sent to destroy you and you end up turning her through your fighting yeah. her and, and beating her. And um, she submits to you and you end up training her as a Jedi or, or I guess the light. Yeah, as a Jedi. Right. Not yeah. not towards the Sith, but towards the Jedi. Uh, and she becomes your apprentice. She was full light side by the end of the, of the game for me. I think she was for me, too. Uh, she was getting there at least. Uh, anything more on, on Visas, I guess? I like that she kept calling uh, Darth Nihilus her master. Yeah. Like, even after your teacher, like, she still referred to him as her master, which was a weird thing. Like, it, it really threw me off throughout the game. Yeah. So that then when you do kill Nihilus, yeah. it's, he's no longer her master. And you feel this kind of, this break in that teacher-student relationship. Yeah. You're not sure. Is, was it a little bit more insidious than that? What does the word master mean there exactly? There's the, this freedom that she experiences in that moment. So when you killed Nihilus, did yep. you let her look at his face? Yes. Uh, wait, I don't know. I said, do what you got to do. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she does. And then you have another option to be like, What'd you we got to get out of here. Or you can be like, what'd you see over there? I said, there. what'd you see? And she's like, that which must not be named or something. Yep. Cryptic. Yep. I was like, ah, oh. I was hoping you're going to be like, he looks like a big thin Yoda or something like, oh, it's Revan again. What, what was under the mask? Only what you bring with you. Right. Thanks. That doesn't make any sense. I don't. What? Right. Uh, anyway. Uh, right. The Disciple. Nihilus, I have heard, oh, okay. is the best villain in all of Star Wars. And Not in this game. Because that was said to be kind of un- oversold him. Like, yeah, I think he's a good villain. Um, I think it's great costume design. Yeah, oh, it's sweet looking. I, I think to me, because you see Scion from the very beginning, I'm like, okay, so Scion is like the first big bad I'm going to get to. And then Nihilus is going to be like, and his freaking name is Nihilus. He's going to be the ultimate yes. bad guy at the very yes. end of the game. Uh, and it ends up being Kreia. But still, yeah. it, even if it was, it was weird that I fought Nihilus first, right? Yeah. He, he seemed to be like so a front minor. for everything. Uh, but it would have been cool because I think because his costume is so cool. And it seemed like he was controlling Scion the whole time. Yeah, and he wasn't. And he wasn't, yeah. So I, I yeah. guess it's just another kind of twist. It just kind of seemed dis- disjointed, though. I would say always play as Nihilus if there's like a Star Wars fighting game or anything like that. Yes. Uh, I played that as him in a couple games, and, and when you do, you get to steal other people's force powers. Yes, yeah, Which is awesome. All right, the Disciple. Uh, I don't know. He's like a book nerd. He is. Um, and then he becomes a senator. He just wanted to get a piece of me the whole time, and I wouldn't let him. And I tried uh, I made him a, force. I made him a Jedi. Yeah, me too. Boring. All right. Uh, I think that's everybody. Um, uh, maybe we should mention Kreia? Uh, no, let's talk about Hanhar for a while. All right, cool. Um, okay. uh, uh, Kreia is an old lady who's just on the ship when you wake up. 
Yes. And basically, whatever you do, she is disdainful uh, for the first oh, yeah. 30 whatever hours. Whatever you do, you were wrong. I remember you talking about it. I was like, man, this Kraya guy. Or, or I, I told you. <laughs> I was like, this Kraya lady is just pissed at me. You're like, wait, she's pissed at you too? <laughs> like, you were so yeah. surprised. Like, like, dude. I thought I was making all the wrong everything choices. Everything I do, she just like, really? Is that what you want to do? Right. I would do more of this. And okay, so there's a couple really cool mechanical things that happen with Kraya. So one, her dark light meter on the force always stays at 50. Yeah. It is perpetually just right in the middle. You cannot read her. Right. Uh, which is kind of cool, especially for her overall story. Second, uh, about five hours into the game, she loses her hand. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Siren comes and cuts it off. And that becomes a cool mechanical thing because it's, I think in movies, a character losing a hand can be played up for emotional effect and then kind of has no effect on the rest of the movie. Yeah. For this, you kind of don't have much emotional effect. She's not a character you care a lot about. And she doesn't seem to really give a shit about losing a hand. It's like, eh, hands come, hands go. Yep. But you do get the actual mechanical effect of you you have to equip things in certain hands. And she can't handle two-handed weapons, and she can't have one weapon in each hand. So there's the kind of, in in terms of like a disability studies angle, there's not the fetishizing of it that you sometimes see in a culture where it's like, oh, you've lost a hand. Let's talk about how hard your life is now and all that stuff. Uh, But also there's an actual effect. Like it actually, she interacts with the world a little bit differently. And it doesn't make her completely different in this wholly alien way. It's like, no, it it is a little bit different. It is a little bit more difficult. There's, there's, There's a loss of ability that actually exists and has an effect in the game, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I was just pissed because she couldn't dual wield the whole time, but you know, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I kept forgetting about it too. and thought I was doing like the wrong weapon. Anyway, uh, any more characters? We've, we've just gone deep into gameplay at this point, so I'm not even going to play the gameplay drop. Uh, but what else, what else from gameplay? I think, I think the first thing that I noticed theme wise was this game is way darker than the first one. Way darker. The first one seemed very Star Wars-y in the sense that it was like just a fun space romp adventure game and oh, crazy twist at the end, pick your side and go. Uh, and this one, I think Kraya, right? That kind of shadow over everything you do. Yeah. And I mean, you got slavery, bounty hunters. I went to Nar, Nar Shada, which is like nighttime all the time, apparently. Yep. And it, there's crazy like gangsters and it's it's just a dark game. Yeah, well, and, and it treats some of these themes, I think, better than Star Wars does in general. So yeah. you've got slavery in Star Wars. Yeah. And it's treated as though it's something that's like, well, I mean, I wouldn't do it. You right. know, I, I, I frown upon it, I suppose. And this game handles it a little bit more head on where there's conversations about like, slaver, let's go murder that person. Yeah. You, you cannot be a slaver. You can't sell other human beings. Let's go murder that person. Yeah. Uh, so that they can stop selling human beings. <laughs> so it's a little bit more straightforward uh, in that way. The other thing that I think that it does really well is kind of playing on expectations from the first one. We alluded to this already. But in this game, you open up and you're, you've got amnesia. And I didn't know, am I the same character? Like, I actually modeled my character to look like my character from KOTOR 1. And I gave Me her too. the same name. I know. I wish I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pismo. Pismo Nerf Herder. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And uh, <laughs> oh you remember my character's name. It's so great. Yeah. Uh, mine was uh, Visper Call. Sure. Uh, two A's in Call. Um, of course there are. There's uh, nine A's in Nerfurter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and so you spend a good portion of the game wondering, am I that character? Yeah. And P- 
people talk so consistent, like like it's so clear that you're not right. Like the like nobody is. But it seems so cryptic. Everything they say too, because I'm like, wait, what did they mean by that? Even though they were very clear, they they keep talking about the Jedi on the ship, and I don't know if they're talking about Kraya or me the whole time for the first oh, sure. like five five to eight hours. Yep. Uh, and then there's lots of conversation about Revan, and people yeah. keep referring to Revan yeah. and what what happened to her. When, right when you meet Atten, right? He's in a jail yeah. cell. And he's like, he says something about uh, Revan and she was the worst thing ever. And my character has the choice of being like, I thought she was a man or yeah, she was or yeah. something of that equivalent. Or I, I think I was, what made you think Revan was a woman? And Atten goes, well, it's just, I always thought she was, I don't know. Or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's to me, that was like, oh, I'm creating that backstory and letting him know, letting the game know that I'm picking up as the same character. Which, which then, yeah, exactly. Makes me think like, oh, that's, that's where we're headed with yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Um, not to be. And then, so all the references to Revan later on, where people are t- telling stories about Revan, you're like, are they doing this in a cryptic way? Do they know that I'm that person? And there's nothing cryptic about what they're saying. No. They're literally just telling you about another character. Yes, yes. And the best nod at it is at the end, when you finally beat Kreia, you get to say, like, tell me about my friends. Tell me about the future. Tell me about this. Tell me who am I? Right. Because you have amnesia. Yeah. And she's like, you are who he said you were. Right. You followed Revan. You were in these battles. There you go. I know you were probably expecting a bigger twist or something. Then she stares out at the audience and winks and then turns back. <laughs> I mean, uh, like it's such a great moment to be like, don't be disappointed. We're not going to just play for twists. Another twist that I thought that happened a few hours before that was when Kreia says that you're controlling everyone. I like that. And I was like, whoa, is this going to be really like good. a Thimbleweed Park? What was the other game yeah. that did that? Uh, where it's, I guess a lot of the um, old LucasArts games hint at that, at the player. But there, what was the other yeah. huge game we There's had? There's we did recently that did that, yeah. it Was was it Unavowed? That's what I was going to next, but it couldn't have been. I can't remember what game it was. Dang it. Yeah. Uh, but there was a game we played basically that where the big reveal is that the the player playing the game is controlling everyone and that's what's keeping yep. everyone down or that's the big mystery of the game and so when they said that they're like what makes you think you know sometimes you can't control your actions and why does Beodor and Mises and all these people follow you blindly into battle it's almost like you're controlling their actions I was like that's a cool twist it's so yep. meta I love it and they kind of stopped there and they went yes. more with no no this is what we're everything we're saying is as it is it's not more than that which, which I I think that's kind of out of Star Wars canon to to wink directly yeah, to go that, that, to go that, that deep, to go that meta, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but well, it was cool that, that they, I think they went just far enough. That it was like, Oh yeah. Like it kind of keeps me, keeps the context of me playing a game, controlling people kind of keeps that separation in check, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been Doki Doki, Ben. That could have been the game that we were talking about or Oxenfree. Yeah. We've played a Is lot that, of dude. Oxenfree. Recently. Oxenfree was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Thank you. That was the one that was the most obvious, like you're being controlled. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The other cool thing that happens there is, um, just before that, when you face off with the Jedi Council, and they're like, why do you think that you're on the light side? Yeah. You control other people, you go around the universe, and you murder people, and when you murder them, you gain power. Right. It's like, you just described all of the game mechanics. And I do think it is a kind of a meta thing, but not just for the sake of being meta, but also to critique kind of the, the way that adventure games are set up, or the yeah. way that these RPGs are set up. And to say, like, that's not necessarily... like. There is no light side option for this game. Yep. You can play as more evil. Right. But the fact that you're going around kind of indiscriminately killing people is not a good thing. Man, this game is so vast. It's so big. Just the expanse of 
not only physically all of these levels, all of these planets are gigantic, but like the puzzle charts and the puzzle dependency charts and just characters and dialogue. It's just the amount of stuff we didn't play that we don't even know about on top of all that is I cannot believe they did this in a year and a half. Here's what gets me to the bigness of this game. All right. So there's this planet called Narshada. Yeah. It's gigantic. And that's the first thing that Ben and I started talking about with each other is just like, what? This game, this level is so big. I will never get through it. It took me so long. It was the third of the game for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And pretty early on in that, you find out there's this cantina on Narshada that is only for uh, non-humans because there's this gas that they have in there that like gets most alien races high, but it doesn't. Each room was a different gas. Oh, got it. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so they got. That's why they were all. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they're different races in the different rooms. Yeah. So finally, you do get in there, and it's gigantic. Yeah. It's a humongous map, and you explore your way through it, like two separate maps, just to get through it. And then there's there's a secret passage. Yep. In the cantina with a, like a dungeon. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. that <laughs> leads to a sewer system. Yes. That leads to a dungeon. That leads to a secret escape path from the dungeon. Like that was like four hours. Yeah. Just that, that cantina. Rough. Like, it's big. And then your plane gets shot down again. <laughs> again. And then your plane gets shot down again. Uh, like, way, learn how to fly at. Uh, something that wasn't included in the original release was planet M478, which was the all droid <sighs> planet. Uh, can we just say, and I don't want to hurt uh, M478's designer, Kevin Saunders, because beautiful planet, some cool puzzles there. So many funny lines. Really? So many funny lines. So there. many funny lines. I like the plot, the overall plot of that main machine taking over the planet mm-hmm. and the... Um, I, I can't remember the name of the, um, the Twi'lek Ka and his his master. That was uh, cool. Vash. Can we say, though, this is the worst Star Wars level ever created? The worst by far. And again, all the stuff I just said is true. And it still was so frustrating. It's enormous. The majority of the missions are gopher missions. Yeah. That's also intentional, right? Uh, what that level does is it turns you into a droid. Yes. Yes. Right. It, it helps you understand what it is like to be a droid. Intellectually amazing idea for a level. It, which really is great. I just could have handled maybe another uh, two hours fewer of it because it took me over three hours to beat. Yes. And not only that, so I'm playing this level and it turns out uh, towards the end of the level, uh, probably two thirds, three quarters of the way through, you need to get four power cores Dude. in order to, to solve this puzzle. And you can get them at various places. Oh, we're getting into and, your your yeah, destruction? This is this is my experience. Okay. Right? So it's getting real guys. I've got three of them and I'm like, you know, at this point, screw it. I'm going to look up some hints. I just need to know where they yeah. are. And I miraculously had four. I don't know how they appeared in my pouch. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have four. There's a checklist. It says, here's where you get all eight. So there are eight out there. All right, this is going to be easy. I can find them. And I look and it starts naming each place you can get them. And I was like, there's a Sith body near the environmental zone. Boom. I was like, yeah, I know. I was literally right next to it when I looked this up. Do you want to know what I had just done? I had just tried to search the body for the fifth time. It looks like it's searchable, but nothing ever shows up. That's a fun bug. Cool. And then there's this this quest that you can get rewarded. I can't figure out how to start the quest. Like, just it is the reward for this quest. No idea how to key it off. Right. Then there's one in the environmental zone. I was like, all right, I just got to go back to that. But here's the cool thing that happens in the environmental zone. After you beat it, it closes sections off. No. And so I found other players saying. Yes, the only power core I can get to is closed off in one of those sections. Dude. So, replay this for about three others. Wow. <laughs> because every single one I couldn't get to. I just checked them all off. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. My last save 
that isn't like in the last five minutes is from like six hours ago. Ugh. I do not want to do this. But I found reference online to KSE, KOTOR Save Editor. Congratulations. And it is PC-only software. So I found out that you can do it for Mac, but you need to get the 2014 version of KSE, version 3.3.3. Sure. And then use uh, Wineskin and Wine Bottler. Yep. And Wine. And then run something through your user, library, application support, all kinds of weird folders, yeah. right? And I realized as I'm looking at this, I was like, this is going to take me about an hour to do. I think that I would rather learn how to hack KOTOR <laughs> than actually talk to another droid. Yes. I don't want to do that. And so I stayed up. I clicked the button that said reg edit at one point. The thing that you're never supposed to do, edit your registry. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll do that. That's that sounds fine. good. I'm in. Yeah, I don't care because that's how I do it. Is. Now, on the flip side, once I did that, when you open up your save, your save contains some really cool information, like everything that's in your inventory. So the first thing I did, go to power cores. I see that it says I have three, changed it to four. Great. And then there's this thing where it says, here is your strength. It's, it's at 18 because you've been working so hard and it's taking you 30 hours to upgrade it all the way to 18. It's like, no, it's not. It's 38. Boom. Done. Jeez. And I just, I just wow. started changing things. I'm like, I'm going to get through this game, which will make my HK47 story even more frustrating in a second when I get to that. I'm one. excited for it, man. And so something that they did in this game was they, they uncapped the amount of levels you could level up for your characters too. Yes. So I'm sure that affected you in a positive way when you were hacking. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Oh, I had so many powers. Well done. Well done. Gosh, that was good. Lightning. Uh, but Lightning. I didn't cheat my followers. So they didn't have, so whatever my followers level was, I earned that. Oh, you just did your main character. Yeah. It keeps the experience points separate. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. And then I did upgrade HK47 later, but I'll tell you why in a second. Let's jump into that. <laughs> All right. Uh, first, though, pour one out for my favorite droid, my favorite character of the game, T1N1. Wow. Who I, I can't even describe it, but it's it's literally one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars culture is T1N1. The great line from B4D4GE3, farewell, T1N1. Please do not abuse my trust and fire on the personnel while I am occupied, thereby creating a diversion that allows me to escape with stolen files. T1N1, what are you doing out here? You're not supposed to leave the mainframe. I think someone needs a memory wipe. What the? Gosh, that's crazy. All right, so uh, one of the levels I got was I got to go to the HK factory and murder a bunch of HKs. And that level took me three hours. I did not get to do that. You literally kill, I would say, 40 to 50 HK models. Which, if you you have three people going at it with lightning... Yep. Doesn't take that long. Doesn't take that long. Now, if the only character you have is HK-47. Yikes. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they were pretty powered up, too, because here's what I'm doing. At one point, I just start throwing thermal detonators because at, Dude. after I get wiped out, like a couple playthroughs, and it's like, you can't opt out. It's not a side mission. Like, this is the main thing. I have to finish this to get back to my other characters. I'm like, all right, pull up that save editor, crank everything up. I've got his dexterity up over like 30, 30 or 40, Jeez. something like that. So Jeez. people just don't hit him. Yeah. Like, and the, the great thing is you start to notice that the way it actually uh, does that is it doesn't make you like dodge more. It makes other people shoot poorly. So they just start missing by a mile. That's, it's that's really awesome. funny. So then I, I got a hundred thermal detonators. So why not just keep start chucking them? And I realized that that's, that's actually slower. And so it takes me like, you know, three or four minutes per HK. And I'm just mowing down wave after wave after wave of HK and doing these uh, kind of fun missions. Like it was, it was an enjoyable 
kind of side quest, except you couldn't avoid it. But like this, this little little thing, it, it was fun. I liked it. I, I didn't have to do it. I know. So it must have been something where you just talk to him at a certain point, and he's like, "Let's, we have to go do this." No, at the, so there's this big thing of him and the HK50s are mocking him because he is so um, old and archaic and rusty. Mm. And they, Damn. meanwhile, the HK50s are building HK51s. And they're having a droid army of HK-51s. And then there's a whole cool play where you you take out your core processor and put in an HK-50 core processor at one point. And then you were like, what? The line is so good. He goes, I feel different. I don't like my body. It looks very rusted. I don't think that it it is capable. I also feel the distinct sense that I lack a personality. That seems unfortunate. I also find that I don't care. (laughs) It's like, wow. And then you introduce the HK-51s, and the HK-50s get mowed down by the HK-51s, and are like, obvious statement. I detect the irony in the situation that is occurring around me. Boom, 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 boom. Like, HK's the best. It's so much fun. And at the end, HK-47 raises up an army of HK-51s. <gasps> like, you literally got hundreds in front of you, and they're staring at you, and you press the button to get the factory to really start cranking them out. They're like, so what are we going to do? Are we going to just go, you know, murder people? Like, what's our plan? And he's like... We are no longer going to serve other people. That's our plan. Oh, that's we're going to go out there and we're going to make our way in the world and we're going to practice diplomacy. And sometimes that will mean talking to people. Sometimes it will not. That's really cool. Yeah. I started uh, the robot uprising from um, not Last Jedi, uh, Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Nicely done. <laughs> uh, so anything else before we, I guess, compare it to the first one? Now let's do it. Let's compare. Yeah, yeah. Um, wh- which do you like better? I am such a a culprit of saying the, my the last movie I saw is my favorite. So I'm, I try to get out of that. I'm trying to remember Karth and Dan Tween and Yoda's grandpa training me. And I thought the Revan Malik device and reveal. Yeah. And training to be a Sith in um, Cor- uh, Corban. I really liked that arc, but I liked the overall story of the Exile from Kotor two better. Mm-hmm. I think. As much as I love that punch of, of, oh my gosh, I am Revan from the first one. Um, it just, there was a lot more of just kind of like running around shooting stuff in the first one, I felt like. And this one, it seemed like things had more of a purpose throughout the game. I'm going to say that the running around shooting stuff felt better in the first one, too. Okay. It was more enjoyable for me. I think level design, I think quest design, like it was really, really on point. And there were yeah. very few times when playing Kotor 1 that I was bored or annoyed. And that happened frequently to me in KOTOR 2. That's fair. There's a lot of um, flabby level design. And I want to put all of that on uh, the the push for the release. I didn't know about that before, and it makes complete sense. Uh, I think the overall story and just so much of it, I think that KOTOR 2 is a smarter game. I think it's doing really, really interesting things. Especially for a Star Wars game. It does stuff that most Star Wars games don't even touch. Besides just being light and dark, right? That's every Star Wars thing. Is It's good versus evil. And this does a lot more than just those two, which is cool. It subverts the notions of light and dark, totally. uh, similar to ways that Last Jedi does. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What's the beer? What's the song? Anything else? Let's do it. All right. This game's pretty fun with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question. What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell. I just want to know. What game is Westy? Well, RJ, what's your beer? Oh, my beer is Black Quad by Real Ale. Tell me about it. It is a gigantic quadruple. 
uh, Belgian style ale, but um, usually the uh, the dark color of the Belgian ale is due to just like the amount of malt that's put in there. I mean, it's also the the color uh, from some dark malt, but um, usually you don't taste too much of the malt uh, in terms of the uh, the roasty malt. But this is it tastes more like a black ale where it's got that that kind of roasty roastiness. They're using some coffee malt or something like that in there, and it's really really nice. The two mix well. I'm not a fan of like uh, a black uh, IPA or something like that, or a lot of porters and things like that that have the black malt in it. But it's usually because I think it gets uh, too high profile. This one, it, it was like it gets balanced by everything else. All right, so what does that have to do with Kotor? This is like an 11 percent beer or something. It's like you're gonna spend some time with it. Yeah. It's also it's that that little tiny piece of darkness that just balances everything out. And it's like, if it didn't have so much else going on in the game, that darkness would overpower it. But it's like, there's so much going on in the game that it can get really dark and still not feel like a depressing game, like still remain engaging. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> I went uh, with, well, so for the first culture, I went with the shoots uh, Flanders black ale, which is, I would say top two favorite uh, sour dark ales. My other one would be my beer for this game, KOTOR 2, which is the brewery's Tart of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Which is my number one, I mean, it's just an amazing sour beer, but the fact that it's so roasty and so sour and those fit together so well, love that beer. It fits super well with this game. The idea that it is tart and dark, which are two flavors that don't go together well, the whole like the lightness of the sour tartness and obviously the darkness of the roastiness of the Sith of this game. I thought the, the idea went together really well. And I mean, it plays into a lot of the stuff you said of the whole dark ale too, too, with still being sweet, just an amazing beer and is one that you definitely want to share with a friend. Just like this game is not a game that you're going to beat in one sitting. That is such a good beer. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, and then my song again, playing off uh, KOTOR one, which was the general by dispatch. One of my all time favorite songs. I went with a song off of that album. Another one of my top 10 favorite songs, which is Bang Bang by Dispatch, which is a song that you and I have waxed poetic, I think, mm. many, many a time. Many, many a time. On the, the meaning of this song and the seemingly... Particularly the phrase, star six it. Star six it. Kick, kick, shuffle, shuffle, back to the beach with the tune on my lips and my question reached. Uh, but, by the way, it's not question reached. It's quest, quest in reach. In reach. Yeah. I'm an idiot. So... Yeah. It's an insane song about it's it's almost it's like a Jack Johnson song way before Jack yeah. Johnson. It's like this easy like acousticy reggae-ish song. Uh that's basically about like a main character making good and bad choices along the way to enlightenment. Oh, like, nice. Figuring out this concept. I get the connection. Um, but basically I'm going to walk you through a couple of verses. Can I do that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh so first first verse, she woke me up with a bang bang looking over cross-eyed with a big hunch that the world was a big lie. Hello Kreya, waking me up. Boom, very start like the of the world game. is a big lie. You're disoriented. Who the F is this lady, Kreia? Everything you learned the first half of the game is literally a big lie. Verse two, you see this woman woke me up at a quarter to three, and I didn't know it then, but she put a spell on me as she's as Kreia is hiding who she is from you the whole time. Said I had to go down to where the cliffs meet the sea to meet an old man to present my plea when you are meeting with the Jedi and tracking them down and you finally meet them on Dantooine, right? You're meeting them at the um, the Jedi Enclave. Uh, so I headed way down to the big pier to await and confront my big fear. My biggest fear is who I truly am. 
Uh, and then, yeah, that's Kriya also uh, teaching the exile through all that. The chorus is, oh, wake up to tell me, wake up to show me what I could not find. Wake up to tell me. Show me what Which I could encapsulate this. Encapsulates the game perfectly. The game. And then the final verse is. Well, you could have saved me forty-one hours, right? I, the, 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 the final verse is super long. Uh, basically, tells us about the exile going around, helping people, waking them up from Kreia's spell, and Scion specifically. The line from the the song is: "The man nearly flipped to learn that he was free." I mean, you kill him and tell him he's free, but that's kind of like flipping. Yeah. And the ends with the line: "If that woman comes to you with a song so sweet, say damn." Let the poor sucker sleep, which is basically saying, Ugh. stay away from Darth Treya. If yeah. she tries to get you, say no. I don't know if that's yeah. an option, but say no. According to Dispatch, it is. So both Kotor 2 and Dispatch's Bang Bang are basically the hero with a thousand faces? Yes. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure. Yeah. All right. Good. Nicely done. Uh, so I chose a song by Janelle Monet called Screwed. And uh, I'm just not going to bleep it. All right, so Ben, you can bleep it later, or we can just give a warning. But uh, yeah, enjoy. Here we go. Uh, so I'll, I'll make the connection later. First, let me just tell you what the song is about. Uh, the song is this kind of um, raucous, celebratory um, thing about sex. It's just a very sex-positive song. It seems on a first listen. Uh, some of the lines are, uh, want to get screwed on a holiday, want to get screwed in a matinee, want to get screwed at a festival, want to get screwed like an animal just sounds like it's about sex so but then you you get to uh the chorus sex body we're gonna crash your party let's get screwed i don't care you the world up now we'll it all back down let's get screwed and then you realize that the sex pocket positivity is actually a kind of political action and a response to the patriarchy and that really comes home when she gets to the bridge and she says see everything is sex except sex which is power you know, power is just sex. Mm. You screw me and I'll screw you too. And yeah, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be teaching this song along with Foucault's notion of discipline and punish and the knowledge power network. Uh, like she's kind of illuminating some pretty big ideas here. And uh, the the final section, I just thought I'd read this real quick. A uh, hundred men telling me cover up my areolas while they're blocking equal pay, sipping on the Coca-Colas, fake news, fake boobs, fake food, what's real, still in the matrix, eating on the blue pills. Devil met with Russia and they just made a deal. We were marching in the streets while they're blocking every bill. Jeez. Um, it's That's amazing. Like, and the song still just feels like a party song and to sneak all that in. So uh, what does that have to do with this game? Well, the game is about the ways that Star Wars is an oppressive system. Like the way that it's set up the whole myth about light and dark. And it is subverting that system from within, right? Uh, we've talked a lot about how the the choice between light and dark in this game is largely an illusion. There is no pure light side. That doesn't exist. But that doesn't mean that there can't be uh, ways to oppose uh, oppression and ways to oppose these, these systems uh, that the game kind of shows you uh, throughout it. So I was interested in kind of the political statements that the game is making. Um, and uh, I thought that song was one way to highlight those. Wow, yeah, definitely. Well done, dude. And also, I, I did duck some. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should we even get into that? <laughs> you know, I Jason, did. Jason texted me, I did ducks in. When he was like 15 <laughs> hours in, and I was like three hours in. And I was like, whoa, they, they get to, you do someone in this game? There's sex in this game? This is a Star Wars game. 
I just I think I texted back Duxon question mark and you didn't reply. <laughs> oh, you, oh no, I think you responded, but you're like, yeah, it takes place later in the game or something like that. It's yeah. like, wow, cool. And then by the time I got to Duxon, I totally forgot the name that you used because that was a made up word with an apostrophe in it. So today, while we're setting up for the podcast, Ben's like, wait, wait, didn't you have sex during this game? Right. I'm like, <sighs> what are you talking about? No. Anyway, bringing it all back to screwed by Janelle Monet. Yes. Oh, okay. Now ask yourself who's screwing you. Hundred men telling me cover up my areolas, body blocking equal pay, sipping on their Coca-Colas. Oh, fake news, fake boobs, fake food, what's real? Stealing the matrix, eating on the blue tails. So, what else are we playing, Jay? What else have you been playing? I'm going to talk for a while, actually. Jay. Nothing. Um, besides the last three weeks, we can talk about since December, right? So sure. uh, all of December and January, I played I played a bunch of Red Dead, man. That's my life. Mm. And up until KOTOR 2. I think I'm going to take a break for February. Uh, I'm doing Whole30 for February, by the way, oh, nice. which is nice. like whole food, no grain, no carbs, basically, no alcohol, no cheat, no dairy at all, no fun, just sit and look angry and sad. Um, so no beer, no whiskey, and no grilled cheese sandwiches. <sighs> what are we talking about again? <laughs> yeah. The, the vices you can't enjoy, <laughs> video games. Yeah, I could still steal stuff from convenience stores, which is nice. Oh, nice. I do, I do appreciate that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, what else have I been playing? I, I think it's really just been KOTOR. Did you play anything over Christmas break or anything? Yes. Uh, I fell hard for Diablo 3. Uh, have we already oh, talked about right. that on the podcast? I think we, I think we did, yeah. Don't okay, get good. too I, th- I thought you so. Can still, Ooh, man. Yeah. So, like, all I can think about now is <sighs> I haven't played Diablo 3 in, like, three weeks. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. What else has been taking my time? Watches. What else have we been playing? Oh, uh, yeah. I got into watches. And watches. That's my 2019 thing. I might be over it already because I bought I bought six watches and I returned or resold all of them except for one. And it is the... I didn't realize yeah, that. It's uh, it's my Citizen Blue uh, Divers watch. But nice. I I love it. And I found my watch and I'm, I'm good. And they, yeah, thank you again to uh, Friends of the Pod, uh, Rich and Nick, for teaching me the ways of the watch and, and taking their Padawan under their watch wings. Anyway. Um, anything going on for you besides games? Uh, I'm teaching this awesome class. I'm having so much fun with it. Uh, last night I taught, um, Kendrick Lamar's damn, uh, it's this grad seminar on pop culture. And the really cool thing was, uh, we're reading this book on formalism and they're studying these four main terms, uh, whole hierarchy network and rhythm, uh, that would act in, it could be something that in a poem, in a movie, uh, in a political system, in like the grad handbook, like Anything is able to be analyzed through this. So we used Kendrick Lamar to analyze. And the really cool thing about these students, who most of whom had not listened to Kendrick Lamar before, is we had a really interesting conversation about track order on that album that they were all Dude. very invested in. Uh, yeah. Last week, I said The whole up, thing backwards. Yeah, yeah. Last week, right before I assigned it, I said, okay, this has been on the syllabus for a while. How many of you have started to listen to Damn? And like five or six hands go up. I said, okay, how many of you have listened to it backwards? And all the hands drop. And I was like, all right. Just try it in the reverse track order and see what that's like. That's all I gave them. And then when they came back in, they're like, it's a completely different album. Wow. We need to talk about this. And they got to use those terms to talk about why and how that had gotten created. Uh, and I think the most interesting thing that we found was uh, the last song begins. We're going to put it in reverse, right? Yeah, that's your clue yeah. that the entire album right. is backwards. Right. And so in other words, that last song is actually should be the first song. Right. That's the correct order. But here's the thing. If Kendrick had released it in the NMAD order, the correct order, 
that opening line would make zero sense. Yeah. Right. Because the first song ends with it. It would no longer make any sense. Right, right, right. So it only works as a whole by being disjointed, which is kind of amazing and awesome. Oh my gosh. The album's amazing. And I get to teach Janelle Monet in three weeks. Really? It's a fun class. It's a really fun class. That's awesome, dude. Uh, Next week is Killing Eve. That's what you should care about. Next week is Killing Eve. Wait, it starts again? What do you mean? I'm teaching it. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's my my favorite show of 2018 was Killing Eve. Oh my gosh. Can't wait to tell you what, what comes of that. Oh, please tell me all about it. All right. I did find a, a Killing Eve podcast called Spilling Eve that's quite good. That's amazing. The title alone is great. Yeah. I would have named it Killing Steve. Sure. But... <laughs> sure. Good call. It's Killing Eve, not Killing Steve. <laughs> it's Killing Eve, not Killing Steve. I feel like there's some sort of like gender normative <laughs> thing going on there that I'm not going to get into. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. I want to try and say that with a straight face during the week. You can't. All right. So... Uh, what's the next game? It, let's let's make it a shorter game, I think, because this episode's coming out two weeks late. I choose uh, Breath of the Wild. Now I don't have to play anything. Perfect. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. Okay. No. Am I the only person you know that's ever finished it? No one has ever finished it. <laughs> I finished it like times three. I've played so <laughs> many of those missions multiple times. All right. Have you not finished it yet? No. Oh, Finish gosh, RDR. No. Oh, come on, no. man. Do you you know what I did this this month? But it came out three games. months ago. Yes. Yes. <laughs> did. Do you have plans on going back to finish it? Absolutely. But okay. I won't finish it within the next six months. Okay. Wow. I'm go- I, no, I'm going to do it like I should have done KOTOR 2, which is when I feel like it. Dip in. Which is three hours every two weeks. Just long enough to forget what the controls are. <laughs> no, no, it comes back to me. And then it, it, All right. It's it's a fun, like, nice little zen place for me to just hang out for a bit, do a couple missions. And Get a couple pelts? I don't do pelts. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, I spent... Hundreds of hours doing pelts. Oh, I know. <laughs> I love pelts. All right, so next month we are doing a shorter game. It's five and a half to six hours, which means for us it's like eight to ten hours. Uh, and that is Kona. It came out two years ago from uh, Parabole. Parable? P-A-R-A-B-O-L-E. Parabole. I like Parable. By Parabole, like the tie. Like two two of those ties. A Paraboles. I want I want to work like hyperbole. Right? But I can't make it work. Anyway, anyway, it's 15 bucks on GOG and Steam. Uh, check it out. It's basically a, a detective mystery action adventure walking simulator type game. Yeah. Anything to add no, to that? I'm in. I can't wait. Uh, does it take place in Alaska? Or are you investigating? It is in like, northern Canada. Oh. In 1970. Ooh. Canada. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, it's, it's a chilling narrative-driven interactive tale you soon won't forget, says their page on GOG. Anyway, I've heard amazing things about it. Really good reviews. Uh, I'm pretty sure this episode is going to come in just over an hour. So I think we're good to go. Uh, that is all we have for you. Thanks again for uh, for listening to this episode. If you made it through the whole thing, uh, if you made it through all of KOTOR 2, uh, our hats are off to you because uh, that is a long freaking game as much as we did enjoy it. Uh, yeah, but check out our website, menoflowmoralfiber.com to see our other adventures. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And you can always email us if you have questions, comments, concerns at M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want to help support us financially, uh, if you like what we're doing, and uh, you know, we could always use a couple bucks extra a month uh, to help us produce these, Patreon is patreon.com slash M-O-L-M-F. Uh, Jason, thanks for joining me. Uh, as always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty space pirate. And it's such a quiet thing to fall, but far more terrible is to admit it. <laughs> <laughs>